Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Praise God for the snow. You guys like the snow? Yay! Last night, when uh, it began to thunder and lightning and snow at my house, I got so excited. I went and got in the car and drove around. I think I made the snow stop for a while, but just fantastic. But the roads are slick. Um, I missed the first entrance. I missed the second entrance to the church and finally made it to Goodwill and turned around and made it in here. But it's such a beautiful day. And it's a reminder of God's goodness and His mercies renewed every morning. Well, happy Valentine's Day. Um, You guys enjoy Valentine's or is it a time where you just feel like, oh, I could forget it. It doesn't really matter. Well, for whatever it's worth, we're going to talk about Valentine's Day. And a title of our message is Love in the Time of covid Uh, Many of you, if you'll remember back in 2007, there was a movie that came out called Love in the Time of Cholera. It was based upon a Nobel Prize winning um, novel. And it was about this couple who fell in love late 18th century and in a time when there was a great cholera outbreak and all of the drama that went on with that. Now, I must confess, I never saw the movie. It was uh, a romantic movie, which for me is just not that romantic. Um, and so I, I didn't see it, but I, I love the title, Love During the Time of Cholera. So today we have love in the time of COVID. All right. I looked around this week and found some, if, if you're single and you're, you're wanting to connect with other people, here's some pickup lines that might help you out that are COVID-friendly. Is that pneumonia in my lungs, or has your smile just met, left me breathless? Okay, pretty good. All right. You smell so good. Is that Purell you're wearing? Anyway. Uh, listen, you know you can't spell virus without you and I. Okay. It, it's, it's worse than it seems, and it's going to get worse. Okay, listen, here's, here's a good one. I really can't stay. Baby, it's COVID-19 outside. It's a... Yeah. Okay, okay. Do you need toilet paper? Because if you do, I will be your Prince Charmin. Okay, terrible. All right. <laughs> Even during a corona pandemic... The most contagious thing in the world is your smile. Or how about this one? One ply, two ply, neither. The only thing I'm looking for is your reply. Okay, not too well. All right. The mask brings out the beauty in your eyes. Now, here's, here's two that I think will really work. Okay, first one is, want to get closer than six feet? All right, maybe. Or, hey, baby. You come, do you come within six feet of this place every day? Something like that. Well, anyway, all of those are terrible. So let's get to our daily affirmation and say this together. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I welcome all he has for me today. By his word, he guides me. By his spirit, he strengthens me. By his will, he is transforming me. I am his workmanship, his unique work of art, and may his will be done in me today, and I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. All right, top five Valentine facts for 2021. 21.8 billion total Valentine Day spending projected for 2021. That is $168.76 per person celebrating, all right? 
$231 spent versus 101 is the difference between men and women, what they'll be spending. Men will be spending twice as much on Valentine's than the women do. That's good. $8.1 billion, okay, uh, amount of Americans who will spend on jewelry, $4.1 billion, flowers, $2 billion, and candy, $2 billion. All right? Now, here's another interesting fact. One in six marriages nowadays begin online. All right? Here's another. 33% of online dating activity increases across the U.S. from February 1st to February 14th. No surprise there. Now, here's another one. The number of Valentine's Day cards annually is 180 million. Over 90% of the population will celebrate Valentine's Day, and the average number of roses each year is 198 million roses. $700 million will be spent on dogs and pets by their owners this year. But here's a really interesting note here. The percent of women who would end their relationship if they didn't get something on Valentine's Day, 53%. (laughs) So uh, if you, fellas, if you really care about your relationship, you still have time to go down to the corner store and maybe pick up a a burrito or maybe a Sprite or something special like that for your, for your gal. All right. First, let's talk about dating. When it comes to uh, Valentine's Day, I always think back to the days when I dated, and, and many of you who are watching and here to, this morning understand that those years of dating can be quite tricky. In fact, a staff writer Uh, for Desiring Guard, uh, Marshall Siegel, says, here's some of the the kind of uh, statements that people will make to you, believers, if you're going to date. It says, date at least for one year. Don't date for any more than a year. Date exclusively in groups. Make sure you get plenty of one-on-one time. Here's another good one. Don't kiss before you're married. That's a big deal in a lot of Christian circles. But, I mean, do you not kiss your mom? or who, what, I don't know what that is. How do you know that you have chemistry without kissing? Make sure that you have clear boundaries in place. Don't try to follow everyone else's rules. Spend a lot of time together. Be careful how much time you spend together. Date with a bunch of people. Don't date anyone until you're ready to marry them. Those are suggestions that abound. And within Christendom, it's, we have all of these rules set aside. What would be right for the perfect Christian dating situation? But the truth is that it's not as complicated as we like to make it. Because we try to put in safeguards that somehow will make sure that the person's integrity stays intact during dating, but also that that person will find a mate, a mate sent to them by God, and have a long and happy marriage. But as we know, all of the careful planning does not, it will not guarantee the outcome that we always want. Isn't that right? But here's the most important thing. Those of you who are single, you're thinking about dating, and especially dating during the time of COVID. That has to be tough. Okay, can I meet you later for a Zoom? Sure. Let's meet. I'll have coffee. Yeah, you bring your own coffee. I'll bring mine, and we'll sit down and talk over Zoom or text or whatever it may be. So I I sympathize with you out there. A lot of people are dating so much less just because of the social distancing and the contact issues. It's a big deal, all right? But here's the big issue for all of us. We shouldn't be asking the question, how will this best affect me? Our question, if you are a Christ follower, and even if you're not, you should have some concept of something greater than yourself, is that the question I would say that we would ask is, what does God want from me? What does God want from me, and what does He want from me in my life and my relationships? What is really there that 
for him is most important. Because at the end of the day, no matter who you date, no matter who you marry, if, if you are pursuing a relationship with God, if you believe in that in-depth uh, fellowship and relationship that you can have with God, that he promises to us in Scripture, well, if you really believe that, at the end of the day, God will be the main constant in your life. And seeking to please God in whatever endeavor you do, whether it's going into business, friendships, uh, buying a car, buying a home, looking for a job, whatever it may be, God must remain the constant and the center of every single bit of it, even in dating. Proverbs 31 verses 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and for years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and success in the sight of God and man. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Let's read that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. That, my friends, is the goal. Whether you get married, whether you not get married, whether you have divorced or decide to remarry or not, those are questions that we filter through a heart that is intent on pleasing God, period. And Valentine's Day is a reminder of that for us, that even though we love romantic love, and it's so wonderful being in love. I, I was in love once. I mean, I've been married for 30 years, but at one time we were really in love. No, I'm joking. We still are. In fact, I love her more than I, I, I did when I was younger. But there's that, it's not to say that romantic love is bad, but it shouldn't be the complete indicator of what God wants you to do, because life is filled with so much more than just romance. True love is a commitment, and true love requires work. Now, here's some practical advice that I would give to those of you who are dating and who are in that uh, lane of life right now, first of all, I would say know yourself. Know yourself. Know who you are, what your likes, your predilections, the things that you enjoy, your characteristics, the things that you can't stand, the things that you will not tolerate, and keep them close to you and make sure that when you are engaging in a relationship, you even know your insecurities well, because if you don't, they can trip you up. Because of your insecurity, you'll say, well, I don't think I really deserve this person. I shouldn't be with this person over here. I'll find someone that will just accept me. But you don't really like that person that much. You don't really have that much in common. But it seems with your insecurities that somehow that's the best thing possible. No, that, that's not at all. Know yourself. Secondly, look for a friend. A friend my, is friendship, we're even, we're even told friendship with God is to be desired. Real friendship is to be desired over most everything that we know, especially in dating and enjoying dating, and especially if you're considering a spouse. Stay away from the dangerous pursuits there are those flashy folks who come along, who have all of the glitz and glimmer, and they've got everything that you want, but they seem dangerous. You know why they seem dangerous? Because they're dangerous. That doesn't mean that they won't be that will be dangerous for the rest of their life, but at least right now, they, could they would uh, pose a threat to you and to your future. All right, place a high value on companionship. 
Companionship, those of you who've been married for a long time and maybe have been married for a long time, you know that the greatest joy that you have comes from that familial relationship, companionship, getting to know somebody really well, and they know you really well, and you work in union with each other, and you enjoy the the same things, you enjoy each other's company. Those kind of things are so much more important than just romantic and physical attraction. Here's another one. Prolong falling in love as long as possible. You say, how do you do that? I don't know, but it sounded great when I was writing my notes. It's hard to hold off when you want to fall in love with somebody. They're just so adorable. They're just so wonderful. We, stood, we sit up all night and talked, and we like everything, everything the same. We're the same exact person. Those of you who are married, you've had those conversations. Until you move in with each other, And a year later, you find out, I don't know who this person is. I don't even think they know who I am. Companionship and prolonging love as long as possible is so important. Look, okay, for people that you feel that you can trust. You have to be discerning. Because dating can be fun, and it should be. It should be an enjoyable event. But if somehow it begins to move beyond dating to, I think this might be a serious moment. This person could be a possible potential mate for me. If it gets to that point, my friends, look for people that you can trust. Trust is very very important because without that, you can't really go forward. Because if you have opened up your heart to someone and shared your most intimate details all, all along to have them eventually just come along and stab a knife through them, you know what it's like and, and you recoil. Therefore, protect your heart. You know, Paul talks about that in uh, the book of Ephesians. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on that breastplate that protects your heart. Let people in. Let them be friends. Hey, have great uh, companions around you. However, my friends, if you're going to let somebody in past the guard to your heart, make sure that you can trust them. Don't get in a hurry. Take it slow. Continue to ask God for wisdom and advice, and he'll guide you. Have as much fun as possible. Listen to your friends. Not your dumb friends, but your smart friends. Okay? We we all have kind of a mixed bag of friends, right? We have those that are really smart, who give you good advice. And then there's other ones that always seem to, they're really fun to hang out with, but they don't give you really good advice. Listen to your friends. If you are younger And I know that this is hard if you're in your late teens, early 20s, to listen to your parents, but listen to them. You know, I know what it's like. You look at your parents and you think, these people are so out of touch. They don't know anything. I happen to be a part of the group that is now called, oh, nice move, boomer. Good comment, boomer. Boomer? I'm now a boomer? Uh, just because of my age, but I am. And that means that I'm irrelevant and I'm not with it. I'm not not prepared. However, listen, young people, if if you are thinking about dating someone, people listen to your parents. Why? Because when you look at your parents, you don't see perfection. When you look at your parents, you think, how would they know anything? They've been married so long. They wouldn't understand anything that's going on in my life. Listen, Your parents have made so many mistakes that they are good references for you and mistakes that you don't want to make. Listen to them, because as good as they seem now, I'm telling you, in the past, they have made some horrific mistakes. And the last thing they want you to do is to make those same mistakes. It's just hard to receive it because it feels like your parents think that you're stupid and that you don't know what you're doing. It, but the truth is you probably don't know what you're doing, so you should listen to them. Just a few more. Don't idealize a person. 
You know, you see someone, they have the right looks, they have the right voice, and they just seem so nice and polite, and all of a sudden you have the, the temptation to idealize them into someone that they may not be. You have to keep your eyes completely open, your ears open, and pay attention and realize that you're dealing with another human being who is very complex and probably fraught with problems, okay? You either accept or reject who they are as a person, who they really are. Spend time with those people who value you. Enjoy being single, okay? And don't obsess about being alone, okay? And most importantly, don't let anyone compromise the values you have and compromise your relationship with God. Because if that is the general direction of the relationship, it's not going anywhere good. Why? Because, as we mentioned in the beginning, God will remain the one constant in your life. Besides that, we're told over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that singleness is not a bad thing. You say, wait a minute. I'm bummed out. I don't like being single. Well, Paul tells us, he says, listen, uh, the, the guy who doesn't get married, who spends time by himself, has more time for God, more time for ministry, more time to serve other people, and can become very productive. And so he's saying, you can look at being single as negative, but he said, actually, as, as was for himself, being single was optimal because of the mission that he was on. And he says the same thing about women. So being single is not some type of sentence that says, God wants you alone forever. No one will have you. Everyone was el else was picked, but not you. I can remember that um, we had missionaries. When I was a kid, I grew up in a pastor's home. And uh, it's a good thing because my dad was a pastor. But anyway, I grew up in a pastor's home, and we had missionaries that would come and stay with us and spend the night, and they'd tell stories about where they came from. And one of our favorites was a gal by the name of Jean Nixon. And, you know, we were sitting around the table, and I can remember sipping coffee, and she was in her 40s. And um, she said, you know, people have asked me, how come I've never gotten married? And she said... Well, the only man I ever wanted is not available. And even as a young kid, I, I kind of leaned in to listen to, who was that? Rock Hudson, or who was it? And she said, the only man that I would ever want to be married to is the Apostle Paul. And he's completely off the slate right now. <laughs> he doesn't. He's the one guy that I would marry. So she says, so I'm, I am satisfied with my position, because I don't see it as less than. I see it as a particular calling enabling me to serve God fully without impedance. What a beautiful picture. I know. I have spent those long nights staring out of the window when I was single, asking God, is she out there? Because I know she's not in here, but is she out there? And I wondered if I would ever get married, but there was a part of me that wanted to serve God. And I thought, if I don't, and if I'm not going to be married, at least I can go off in the foreign field and die as a missionary. For some reason, that seemed like a real high calling in my life. But a wife and four kids later, I realized that God had a different plan for me. But learning to accept that plan and be satisfied with him is okay. Why? We go back to our, our top principle. God will remain the one constant through your whole life, period. He must take precedence, and all other relationships are filtered through that one, all right? Okay, marriage. Marriage is not that easy. Can anyone say amen to that? If you're watching online, sort of hit your, your little space bar or something like that. Thumbs up, kudos, enter. It's not easy. It's not for cowards. It's not for folks who just think, I just need someone to fulfill me. No, you don't. 
God needs to fulfill your life. If you're going to be married, though, you realize that you're stepping into a union, and a union that is meant to build a life and to create something. One of the, the, the beautiful aspects of believers' marriages or Christ followers' marriages is that w- throughout Scripture we're told that it has a purpose beyond mutual edification. If you do marriage right, there is a mutual edification where you realize, you know, you go down through the years, you, you look back at your life, and then you look at your spouse, and you realize that this person has been a benefit to me, and I have been somewhat of a benefit to them, and we have moved along further in life together than we would have apart. So there's an appreciation there. But beyond that, God has a plan for that marriage that will exemplify Jesus' relationship with the church. It's a model that's made after that. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5 puts it very succinctly. Paul says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And he's speaking about uh, husbands and wives, but he's also speaking about the church at large. It, it's a, the word submitting here is a Greek word, which is hupotasso. Kind of a cool name. Sounds like a game or a, a new food dish that you'll find in some culinary magazine. But hupotasso basically means to draw up in order. It is often used as a military term to mean to step in line and get in the right rank and place. That is, if you're going to to be a part of a community of believers, to be a part of a community of people, you realize that you have a particular calling and you have a rank and you have a place where you step in and serve because you all move together in unison on a mission just like an army would not speaking of violence, I'm just speaking about the whole idea there that it means to sort of bear up under, to draw in, in, uh, in order, and to get things right in position. So he says, submit to one another. That is, get in the right order, align with each other, respect one another, and show that, okay, that there is a, there is a respect for who you are and respect for that other people's job, that other person's job, the same way that it is in marriage. Um, we've, we've worked so hard in the last number of years to, to prove that there's no difference between men and women. And that the roles of men and women in in a marriage are really basically the same. The problem is, it's not true. Men and women are not the same. Now, uh, there are a lot of women who have various pursuits that some would think manly, men the same way. Those things are ancillary and they don't really matter that much. But if we're going to just be honest... There is a difference, and because of that, when two come in together in relationship, that means that they both have a responsibility, and it's incumbent upon both to step in line and eagerly fulfill that responsibility so that the union exemplifies the relationship between Jesus and the church and the world and the mission that he's on. That there should be congruency. It shouldn't be loggerheads all the time. Someone fighting for a particular position. But rather figuring out what that is and doing it with everything that you have. It says wives, okay? Understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. Verse 23, for husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church and his body of which he is the Savior. Now, when it speaks about submitting, now, I know, ladies, you're thinking, why do you always bring it up? Because it's one of the few things that guys have, okay? (laughs) We, we, We like this word. But the term that is used here means that you have to figure out, okay, gals and guys, what your position is. You see, For some reason, God said that the man will give an account for the way that he treats his wife. He'll give an account for her spiritual progress. It doesn't mean that she's less than. He will also give an account for the way that he protected and cared for her. 
okay? That's why he is seen in the position of a headship. It's not greater than, it's someone who holds responsibility for that person. There are people in my life, there are officials who have positions that are somewhat above me, but as a person, they are no better than me. That's no sign of intelligence. It means that they bear a certain responsibility within the relationship. And that's what he's talking about. And you can look around the world today and you can say, well, that's not really true. Marriage is a 50-50 thing. Marriage should be blah, blah, blah. Marriage should be self-fulfilling. You need to, to be with someone who's there to just be for you and to build you up. Knock it off. Don't get married. Just stay in your room because that's not the truth. The truth is things have to get done, and each one of us bear responsibilities. And, and my wife and I, we have worked through those responsibilities and the things that are really matter, and we've tried to stay away from what is masculine, what is feminine, but looked at what is expedient for our lifestyle and where we are at that moment in time. And from what I understand from Scripture, I am called, okay, to care for her, spend time with her in the Word, to build her up, to help her become all that she can be. You see, that, that's my job. My job is not to hinder her at all, at all. In fact, we're told in verse 29, after all, no one hated their own body. But he says the, the husband should love his wife just as he loves his own body, okay? He says, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed it and care for the body just as Christ does the church. We're told to love our wives, husbands, period. That means unconditional acceptance and love that they never have to consider whether you love them or not. They may be irritated at you. They may not like you for a couple of months, They, whatever it may be, but there should never be a question in there, does my husband love me? And you've got to work hard at putting money in that bank, building up savings, building up proof that your love is constant. No, your love may wane from time to time. You may be upset. You may not feel a certain way, but your responsibility is to let her know that you're committed. No matter what, you're committed. You're there. We're going to work this out. And that brings a certain level of not only comfort, but protection and safety in a relationship. Now, I know that that seems old and, you know, a woman doesn't need a man to be complete. Then don't get married because that's what marriage is about. Stay single. If you want to get married and be an individual, don't get married. Don't do it. Stay away from it. If you want to get married, then realize you're stepping into a relationship where there's a lot of submitting to each other, period. Here's, that's what women need, love. And you say, how can you speak for us? I'm speaking from Scripture and speaking from experience with my wife and my kids. And I understand that the thing that my wife depends on from me is acceptance and love. He says here that women ought to, ex or wives ought to respect their husbands. That's a really big deal. Most guys, if you survey them, if you ask them, would you rather be loved or respected? Most guys, if they're honest, will say, I would rather be respected. Because to me, being respected is being loved. Because how can you love me if you don't respect me? And the way that our sinful nature works, our selfishness, is that we tend to, okay, fight against the other person, try to tear them down, and because of that, all of these conflicts arise and people question whether there is love, people question, men question whether there is respect. And ladies, you might say, well, I don't have to respect him. He needs to become respectable first, and I'll respect him when blah, blah, blah. Listen, you're never going to get anywhere with that. It's the difference between a nice piece of chocolate, handing someone a nice piece of chocolate and handing them a rotten, half-chewed chicken bone. 
One you look forward to, the other you just say, forget it. I don't want that. You show me a way, and I I will respect you. Ladies, you're never going to get that man to be and to help him function the way he needs to be. You need to work on yourself and seeing the best in that person and helping them get to where they need to be and helping them become respectable and holding them accountable to that and continually lifting them up just as the husband is supposed to love his wife like he loves his old body and builds it up. He should see his wife as a beautiful garden that he cares for and weeds and hopes it grows and flourishes to everything that God would want her to be. In the same way, don't you want that for your husband. If you do, then here's the straight facts. You, you can't get it by being disrespectful. I, I can't emphasize that by anything else. You say, well, does a wife just have to sit there and take whatever he says? No. By the way, that's a bad attitude. That's a bad attitude. Nobody's saying anything stupid like that. What what it's saying is, is that if you want that person to function, you need to know how they function well. And if you care about them and you are a good mate, male or female, it it means that you're willing to step in line and to do what is needed to help your mate function as best as they can. Not tearing them down. I mean, we've been in in marriage counseling uh, so many years, so many people coming into my office and, and just telling me, you know, she won't do this. And if she would do that, then I would do this. And he doesn't do this this way. And because he doesn't do that, I don't do this. And if he he would only do this, and if she would only do that, grow up. That never works. It takes self-sacrifice and looking into yourself with introspection and saying, you know what, I need to change. I need to figure out how, you know, if, if my spouse is not doing that, well, it, it could, maybe it's not your fault. Maybe they're dealing with something that is so... Um, distant from you and hard, but our general idea should be that of blessing, loving, and respecting each other and figuring out how can I help my mate get to the place they need to be. Lord, can I be a catalyst in that? If, If that's the case, then you have a functioning, not dysfunctioning, but you have a functioning marriage that is centered on pleasing God, going back to God. God, how do I help this person? Not, God, have you noticed they're not helping me? It's never going to work. Marriage is about love and respect. It's about friendship. It's about patience. And it's about commitment. Eventually, The person you marry will disappoint you. Eventually, you'll get tired of looking at the ring in the bottom of the tub and wonder, why am I the one that has to clean all of this, ladies? Why am I the one? And they're not, they lose some of their glimmer. They lose some of their glamour. And that's when you remember that you made a commitment. You made a commitment. And sticking to that commitment means this, that this rotten thing that you're going through, this malaise, this depression, this bump in the road, is nothing but a punctuated period of time that will have a beginning and an end. And if you understand that, you understand that through that process, if you maintain that process and go through it with God, you will grow. How does growth happen? Well, growth happens out of pain. Growth happens out of challenge. Why do we have today people called personal trainers? Personal trainers, these people are sick. Have you ever been to a personal trainer? They should come up with a different name. They should take you into some dungeon somewhere with some chains, and they're like, all right, just five more times. Five more times? I'm going to die. The truth is, is 
They're not trying to kill you. They're trying to help you grow. And if you're going through rough times in your relationship, it isn't God's disappointment. God's left you. This is all terrible. This is a chance for you to grow. And if you want to continue to grow and build up and grow into a person that is able to help other people who are struggling, a person that is able to be trusted in, to be leaned upon, well, then I'm telling you, my friends, you got to go through those hard times. You got to. You can't give up. Because when you give up, you don't get to see God's hand of deliverance. All right. Dating, marriage. And finally, I just want to talk about the church for a moment. The God and the church. What kind of Valentine are you when it comes to God and the church? I love what Paul said in Philippians. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Loving God is pretty easy, isn't it? I mean, he's perfect. Sometimes it's hard to understand his decisions, sometimes it's hard to understand his silence doesn't always tell you everything, doesn't lay everything out perfectly for you. Some things in Scripture are fuzzy. But will you stick with Him? Will you continue to trust Him? When people mock you, when people lay claim that you're just superstitious, what will you do in that? If there's ever been a time for us to be good valentines to God... To, to love him and to honor him, it is now as much as it was from the beginning. God responds to our love. But what about his church? We mentioned that husbands and wives sort of figure the relationship and play out the relationship of Jesus and the church. The church is a unique living entity that Jesus said he is the bridegroom, and the church is the bride, or he is, he is the groom, and the church is the bride, and the two come together, and he says that is a perfect union there, but, but I, I want to I share this from my heart because I, the Lord has been putting this on me for a long time. Loving feels good on Valentine's Day, but the truth is it's not easy loving your friends when they become a jerk. It's not easy to love the person that you're with when troubled times come in a relationship. And it's not always easy to love the church. It's not always easy. It, it takes patience. It takes humility. It takes learning to bear with one another. As it says in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Prior to COVID, I can tell you, most churches around the nation, even our own, set in strategy meetings, trying to figure out how to get the attention of the distracted American. Well, they're on their phones. Well, then we should be on social media. Well, they're on Facebook. Well, then we should be on Facebook. Like me, New Covenant Church, like. Have some pithy little saying. And we have taken on a consumer mentality when it comes to churches. And that this church was pretty good for a while, but eh, you know, it wasn't really for me. And then you move on. Eh, it wasn't really for me. Eh, it wasn't really for me. That sort of works as long as you're the most important person. If the church tells you you're the most important person and we need to please you, and if we're not doing ministry the way that you think that we should, you should cancel us. You should move on. And I'm not saying that you should stay in every church. There are things that arise, and God moves a person along, and he does so by the Spirit. He does so by confirmation in circumstances. 
those things can be determined when there is real commitment. But I want to challenge those of you who are, well, we didn't need that page anyway. Um, I want to challenge you guys to realize that now in this country and around the world, in a time of a global pandemic, uncertain future in every direction, it's tumultuous. And if you can't feel it, it's just because you haven't been awake to what's going on. Those of you who are watching here in the fellowship, I don't know exactly what church you come from or where, if you've come to New Covenant, I'm so thankful that you're here. But right now, during this time, you need to stop being a consumer and you need to be committed. Your local church needs you more than it ever has. Well, I need my church. Yeah, guess what? Your church needs you. Your church needs your commitment, your service, your prayers, your thoughts, your concerns, your ideas. You're not just waiting around for, for the church to perform like some type of monkey and get everything right. No. You're never going to become a full-hearted, full-fledged, knock-em-in-the-teeth, go-for-it kind of believer who is serving God if you're just waiting around for other people to fix it and to do things right for you. And then you say, well, Dave, that's kind of hard. I know, but I say this because I believe that we're getting soft. Ah, you know, I don't go to church. Ah, we get to do it this way. You start fading backwards. My friends, we're getting soft in a time when, when that is the last thing that we need. How many of you believe that being completely out of shape and out of breath is perfect preparation for going up La Luz Trail with somebody that, draw, with, with somebody that jogs? No. It's time to get in shape. It's time to be committed. It's time to work hard. And it's time to love your church and be committed to it. Wherever that is, so what we've decided to do is we've got some new things coming up. Those who, um, because there are some who feel comfortable coming in person, and we're, we're glad and thankful for that. We're also equally glad of folks who, who say, listen, I don't want to risk it, and I'm going to be at home. Fine. There's no judgment. No one better. We, we consider all the same. However, it doesn't preclude anybody from their commitment to serve and to make things better. To, to be built up in your most holy faith. To not just fade away, become soft and unusable. So we've decided to be putting together some plans for people in the fellowship who can come in person, but also those who are, are spending time more at home Ways that every one of us can serve and help out and be committed. Because that's what it's going to take. That's what it takes in a marriage, and that's what it takes in friendship, and that's what it takes in the church. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I don't mean it in a, in a spiteful or mean way. Because this church here is one of the... Most wonderful fellowships I've ever been a part of. There's some great fellowships all over the world, throughout Albuquerque. Fantastic churches. But I'm not saying this because, you know, you need to give more. Oh, we must be low on money, so the pastor's saying be committed. That isn't the truth. The truth is that God, through his faithful people, has been very faithful to this fellowship. And we've been able to advance, and we haven't lacked for anything, and that is because of God, and it is because of the faithfulness of people in this fellowship. But I'm telling you, we have a mission that's supposed to go out there, and we can't let up on that. No virus, whatever it may be, we can't give up. It's more important now 
than I think it has ever been in my lifetime. And the coming days, I believe, will bear that truth out. Well, thank you for indulging me as we talk about Valentine's on Valentine's Day. It's another opportunity to talk about love and talk about relationships that are so core to us. Developing that relationship in dating, trusting in God in your singleness, <clears throat> growing up and learning your position and the roles that each one of us play in marriage and staying committed to that and being committed to your local fellowship. Love it. Well, it's not really what I like. Well, then do something. What are you doing to help it out? It's so easy to just leave, but it's so rewarding to stay. It's so easy to just move on. But when you do, you miss out on what God would do. And I don't want any of us to miss out on that. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for a day that is designated, set aside for love. Lord, I pray that everyone here, everyone watching, would feel that love from you. Lord, we're told that we loved you, but it wasn't because we first loved you, but you loved us, and that we reciprocated that love. Help us, Lord, to be committed and to love and thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. Thank, thank you for your infinite mercies. Without, without you, Lord, we would be so much less. Pray that you bless this land, bless our country, bless our political leaders, those who watch over us and may Lord, they have a sense of your presence and your power and your authority and your accountability. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.